Welcome to Have You Not Seen That? My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. This is a podcast where we tell the truth about films that we have not seen, uh, sometimes classics, sometimes contemporary classics. Um, we have exited Horror October. Yes. We uh, survived. Yeah. <laughs> And we're moving into uh, a new era, and we've started. <laughs> we've started with uh, the Treasure of Sierra Madre, which was chosen by Wilson. Tell us about it. Yes, uh, this is a movie I've been meaning to see for a long time. I've, I'm a big fan of westerns, and this one's like kind of the border of a western and an adventure movie. Um, so it's always felt like a hole in my filmography that I've been I've been glad to fill. Um, it was directed by John Huston back in the '40s. Forgetting the exact year, I want to say '46, something like that. Sounds right. Yeah, uh, stars Humphrey Bogart. As a homeless man uh, living in, living, uh, residing on the streets in Mexico begging for food. He has a partner, a younger partner that he is working with named um, Curtin. I forget the... It sounds right. I forgot yeah. the actor's name. Yeah. Um, they get, uh, they, they go on to, to work on a job with some uh, huckster. They get, end up not getting paid for this very laborious um, work that they did. They beat this guy up and then decide that they basically need to skip town at this point. They decide to flee with an elderly prospector that they had met in a hostel of some sort um, who told them that there is gold to be found in them, their hills. So they, <laughs> <laughs> they travel to the Sierra Madre um, of, based upon rumors of, um, of gold being found there, having no knowledge of prospecting um, because Humphrey Bogart won a lottery um, or a raffle um, and they used that money to, to buy up the equipment necessary to prospect. Um, they indeed do find gold in them, their hills, um, and immediately fall into a cycle of greed and avarice um, and violence. Uh, so the track of the movie is them finding this gold, discovering that they really want to keep more from themselves than they originally thought, having initially said that once they reach a certain, you know, modest amount that they would be satisfied and leave. Um, it concludes with uh, Humphrey Bogart almost killing the younger partner that he had been with um, for this entire time in order to steal his gold. Humphrey Bogard getting murdered by bandits, essentially. The bandits misidentifying the gold and the, the powdered gold that they have in these pouches, throwing it into the sand, and um, that's essentially how the movie ends. <laughs> Everything that they worked for ending up being wasted, Humphrey Bogard dying, and the elderly prospector and the younger partner going their separate ways. Um, in the in the Mexican countryside, uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was yeah. good. I really enjoyed it. Um, classic John Huston for me. Like this is right in line with the other movies that that I've seen from him, um, and I'm I'm glad I finally was able to fill this one in. Uh, what did you guys think of it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I was worried that I'd have trouble with it being an older movie, yes. black and white, and all that. But like you know, the story's entertaining enough that it really sucks you in and keeps going. Um, I liked that it. it felt like a heist movie in a way. Sure. It had a lot of the elements of it where they're trying to conceal information. You so have like a bit a scheme. of yeah, 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 they have a scheme. Um, you have a bit of the dramatic irony of like knowing more of the situation than they do. Um, and uh, it just does a great job of building up the tension between the characters and you're always wondering, you know, who's going to who's going to break yeah. first. Yeah, um, although you don't really want to, you know it's Humphrey Bogart, and yeah. that's kind of what the drama is like. Yeah, how sure. is he going to do it? When is he going to do it? You, you know he's the bad guy here, and it's kind of like, when is he going to really break bad in this? Yeah, and you know, and and following that arc of the character is, uh, is pretty enthralling for me. What what do you think, Grassman? Yeah, I, I also liked it. Good. Um, it was it reminded me of like Moby Dick, and that it sure. was like. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's kind of like a textbook on gold panning. Because, <laughs> like, we have these characters who, like, don't know how to pan for gold. And uh -huh. then it's explained in, like, explicit detail, like, how one might pan for gold. Yeah, I learned and, things I didn't, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, I, the, the story is good, too. I think, like, it's somewhat predictable, but the ways in which it turns, I think, are, are good. And I think it actually kind of, like, sets up your expectations in some ways and then kind of flips them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like that about it. Yeah, I, I like that Humphrey Bogart. Like initially, we're kind of like on his side, and he's like a good, good guy, right? Or at least he's and, a sympathetic guy, right? Like yeah. he's getting screwed over. He's poor. Like he's yeah. trying to survive. Well, they yeah. go they go out of their way. This is what what's interesting about it. They go out of their way to show him as someone who's not motivated by greed. Yeah, because he talks about how like oh you know if I went out there you know I, I wouldn't like go crazy for gold. I just get what I need and leave. And then they right. show him explicitly taking Cutting exactly how much that. money. He needed when they beat up the guy who um, didn't pay them. Mm -hmm. yeah. he, they they didn't they could have taken like all his money, but they yeah. only took what they needed or what they were owed, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of setting up that fall from grace. Pretty yeah. Well. But he's like the first one to suggest like we got to split up our gold and everybody. Like, I don't trust you guys. Yeah, it takes care of your own. And yeah. Stick with that's when it starts to get like more intense. Right. Yeah. Well, and and you have the Walter Houston character who's the the older man. Um, who like basically says what's going to happen in the movie right at yeah. the beginning right yeah. he's just like yep. gold drives men crazy as soon as they they, they think they're going to go out there and they're going to take what they what they need and nothing else but as soon as they see that gold and the, the possibility of more that goes out the window and they end up you know losing themselves and it's like yep that's what's going to happen in this movie they're listening <laughs> and, to him and all they hear is gold money yes yeah exactly yeah. it's like okay let, let's do it um so yeah, i like that about that too that this movie is like on a, on a micro level there are surprises in it in terms of like how certain things pan out and like you have intervening events with you know unexpected characters that show up and stuff like that but the larger arc it, it's almost shakespearean in the way that they just like come out and tell you what's going to happen yeah, i was thinking that exact same thing <laughs> and, you were describing yeah. it. and then and, and then that's what happens <laughs> and and i liked that about it and it, it speaks to the the confidence that john houston has in his script and his actors that he's willing to just say like yep here's the movie in the first 20 minutes or so <laughs> And expect us to still like stay on board with it, and we do, and like that's effective. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it's pretty. It's acted in like a very interesting way too, because like Bogart's being Bogart, um, the older guy Howard is like really doing the like prospector. <laughs> Yeah, it's, role. John, it's John Houston's he, he dad. He picks it up yeah. to 11. He, he cast his dad in this. That's awesome, <laughs> Yeah, actually. And he got an Academy Award for it. Re really? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, he's he's like a 100% prospector guy. Yes. And like really nails that role. He does like the prospector yeah. dance yeah. and laugh, yeah. which is so good. <laughs> um, but then what was interesting was to see the guy playing Curtin felt like very natural acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like whereas like Bogart's like kind of radio play acting, and he has his like accent and mm -hmm. he's yeah. such like a <laughs> character. Um, the guy that's playing Curtin like feels like a very contemporary like performance mm -hmm. in that he's just like it's just like a role that he's in. He's mm -hmm. not like doing a voice and he's yeah. not. Well, he's not a persona. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, like Bogart, it's hard to not see Humphrey Bogart in this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that he kind of cuts against his type a little bit here, which I, I liked about this performance. So I think I kind of. Bogart, Bogart, yeah. yeah. Which, I, which I, so I think I might have read it a little differently than you. Because you start out and he's like kind of doing the Bogart thing, but he, it, it, by the end of this movie, he's a despicable man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But he's still yeah. like 
you know, capital A, like acting. Yeah, yeah. It, right. But he's he's yeah. not doing like you would see in a movie like To Have and Have Not or Casablanca or um, it those type or Maltese Falcon, also with John Huston. Yeah, like you don't see that type of like coolness from him that I no, think no, you'd no. see he's, in those movies. He's bad, right? Well, yeah. it's not just that he's, he's bad, villainous. right? But he's also like despicable. Like he's a pathetic figure yeah. in this, which very strongly is against type for Bogart yeah. and what we've seen from him before. Yeah, I guess I wasn't so much referring to like type as like sure. it was clear that he's like acting and like stylistically. In, in yeah, yeah, okay, in, like the forties way. Yeah, and and I think the guy that's playing Curtin actually like feels mm-hmm. like very contemporary like performance in that. It's like a very like natural performance. Like mm-hmm. it feels like someone who's like being dragged into a situation who's like not really sure what's coming. Like mm-hmm. it it doesn't feel like he's like reading lines from a script. It feels like very natural. Like what's happening with this actor, and, and that's the character that's positioned as the guy that has to make a choice. Yeah, right. Because you have like the the Walter Houston character who's like aware of the greed factor and has evidently defeated it and mm-hmm. it's has come to terms with it. Yeah. And you have the Humphrey Bogart character that we who are we know where he is heading pretty early on. And the youngest character has to make this choice between the middle aged man and the old man and like which one he is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um and that I think kind of sets him up for a a more humanist uh type of role. Um, which I think might be what you're identifying here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, I thought it was uh, was effective. And I like that. Um, what do we think of Walter Houston, more specifically? Because uh, he he was the one that won an award for this. Mm-hmm. Um, he and his son for the directing yeah. and screenwriting. Um, what do we think of his performance beyond just classic prospector guy? If anything, beyond classic prospector guy. It was pretty funny. Uh, I did have a hard time figuring out what he was saying <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought maybe, maybe at points it was a little cartoonish, but it, it added some much needed levity yeah. to many of the scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't think it'd be watchable without him. Oh yeah, like, certainly he's critical of the movie. Yeah, well, it, it just like he kind of like carries the movie yes. in a lot of ways. Like yeah. he's so he's funny in a lot of ways and um, explains what's going on very well. Yeah, <laughs> it would be hard to like track this movie. I think without this character. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it would be easy for that guy to be a trope, right? Like yeah. we've already identified he's the wily old prospector, but like I think that Walter Houston brought like a almost a wisdom to this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like he wasn't a buffoon. Yeah. Right. Like he it seemed to always understand what was going on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like always kind of anticipate what was going on. Yeah. Um, and there was like a quiet kind of knowledge um, to what what this guy was doing. Um, which I, I think really was in the performance. Like, I'm not sure how much of that was in the script. Um, and I, I liked that a lot about what he was doing here. Yeah, I, I, he was great. I, I liked him a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. and he gets a lot of, like, like that. there's that moment when um, the one, the, the curtain character has gotten up to go to the bathroom or something, and Humphrey Bogart wakes up and notices that he's not in the tent anymore and assumes that he's going to go look for where he's, Bogart has hidden his gold. And so he leaves, and then the curtain character comes back and has the same suspicion. So he leaves, and you have Walter Houston kind of observing all of this, yeah. and like that, I think was really informative of who the character was. That he was yeah. like saw exactly. It, it was like he had seen this before, right? Like like he had experienced exactly like, oh, this happening again. This phenomenon before. Well, it, that and, scene was really funny, but it also yeah. felt like he. 
I got the impression like he was trying to stoke up their distrust for you. Really? Guys. Okay, I missed that. Because like he kind of like you know he gives Bogart's character a bit of a nudge when he comes when uh, Bogart's character wakes up. Sounds and like he's teasing him. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, you know, the guy, yeah. the guy uh, went out there. He might be looking after your gold or something. Oh, right. see, I it felt like he was kind of nudging him, and then Curtin comes back and he kind of <laughs> gives the same nudge at Curtin. Okay, so I, I, the way I read that was him like pointing out the absurdity of what they're doing. It's oh, like yeah. it's silly to be like you guys could stay up all night and with this suspicion, or you could just go to bed. Yeah. And like we have things to do in the morning, and like we kind of need our sleep. <laughs> like that's how I read it. I didn't read him as like an instigator type figure, but more of, his, uh, right. of like a holding up a mirror, like what are you guys doing, type of thing. Um, which he does a few times, right? Like mm-hmm. the, he he takes that that role a few times throughout the the film, um, and he did he did a good job with it. Yeah, he's awesome. He he is awesome. Um, <laughs> so like a a stranger comes into their camp? Cody. 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 Yeah. Um, that was like another scene that felt like very telegraphed, but then mm. it's like undercut in a way that was I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, so uh, Curtin goes into town to like get supplies, mm-hmm. and then he starts being like accosted by this guy named Cody, um, and he keeps like kind of pushing him away and saying that he's just on like a hunting expedition. Right. Because they want to. Do they want to keep secret the fact that they found this strike? That right. They know it was yeah. the yeah. motherwood. Yes, the motherwood. Um. And then Cody obviously sees through that and then kind of follows him up the mm-hmm. trail and comes into their camp. Uh, and then Cody kind of like asks to be like cut cut into their find and they don't want to. Right. So they decide to kill Cody. Right. Well, he like presents them with that option. Yeah. He's like, look, I'll take a cut of everything that's found after this point. Yeah. Or you can kill me. Like yeah. those are your options because if I leave, you won't, you don't know I'm not going to go find yeah. Yeah. someone else. Right. And... They just say, like, well, I guess we're going to kill him. <laughs> I guess that's it. Which is quite the decision. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're the, almost, like, nonchalant about it. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they treat it, like, with some amount of gravity, but it's very matter-of-fact. Like, yeah, oh, like, well, that's what we have to do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Too bad. Uh, <laughs> Too bad. And then, um, uh, at that moment, they kind of spot these, like, uh, army of bandits. Right. Uh, who kind of are plaguing them throughout the movie mm-hmm. um and so the whole scene is just like undercut by like oh they suddenly need to be allied with cody and and fight the bandits yeah and that's where yeah. we get the the famous line from this movie or right? the the, the bandit yeah the bandit character says bandits um it's misquoted as we don't need no stinking badges but the actual line is something similar but distinct from that yeah <laughs> like that's where we get that stinking badges thing yeah uh, and then they have like a kind of gruesome shootout during which like Cody's killed, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, Cody problem. <laughs> so that seemed maybe a little too convenient. Like yeah. it would have been interesting I to agree. see how they I deal with Cody in the aftermath. Uh, of see, that. I I really liked it because yeah. for the like just the dramatic irony reasons of it, but also like they are glad that this guy is dead now, right? And yeah. like they know they would have done the same thing, but they are kind of brought onto the level of these bandits. Uh-huh. Right, and they like have this knowledge, right? Like yeah. the bandits, the bandits killed this guy. We were literally going to kill the exact same guy for the exact same reasons because yeah. the bandits just wanted to rob him. Yeah. And like now they just like kind of have to live with that. And like I, I liked that about the movie. Like they get shown their their own uh, right. It's like you're just as bad as these dudes that you think are you know the the scum of the earth. And that yeah, th- there's no moment of like grieving for them. They're just kind of like quiet. 
And they're just like... There sort of is. I think they realize, they process this, because they look through his belongings and they find the note from his wife. Yes. And they, they, it kind of reinforces the gravity of the decision to them. Right. I don't think you see them have like a... They don't have like a a prayer over him. They don't have yeah. they don't have a thing where they're like, oh no, we've a reckoning or anything like that. They're just like quietly have learned something about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's that. Yeah. I thought that was uh, I thought that was really well done. I, that was one of my favorite parts of this movie. Um and I, yeah I like I found that effective. Yeah and I, I really like the scene leading up to that um because there's just so much tension to them dealing with Cody and trying to lie to him. Mm. Uh and then like the decision to kill him, like there's, there's so much weight behind that, right? So I put myself in their shoes, and it, it was a very intense moment to, to imagine. Yeah. Even if they do it in a very matter-of-fact way, you know, it, it was just very affecting to, to pretend that I'm in their shoes, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's when you really see the turn from Bogart, right? Like that, like it's his. He's he's been selfish and like a jerk up until now, yeah. but this is when you see like a moment of true evil from him because he's he's prepared prepared to kill this guy from like the moment he steps foot in camp. Like he is. In the kill, before even the, the kill category, yeah, yeah. It's like we yeah, have to we have to shoot this out. guy, and it's explicitly just for, for greed, for yeah. for selfishness. Like there's no there's no other um, accounting for it, and I thought that was a good turn for him and a good acting moment from, from Bogart, right? Like that he is, you you see it in his face, and like he yeah. stops looking like Humphrey Bogart's typical characters at that at that time. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, this is based on a book, uh, apparently. Uh-huh. Uh, the it was written in the '30s. I, I want to say by uh, an author who wrote under a pseudonym, um, and uh, nobody knew who he was. Like, mm-hmm. Even even his agent, who also repped John Huston, who uh, wrote and directed this movie, um, didn't had, had never met him in person. Oh, they don't they'd only communicated through letters and on the telephone. However, when they started shooting this in in Mexico, because a lot of this was very clearly on location, yeah. uh, a guy who was claimed to be the representative of the author showed up on set and just huh. like hung out there the entire time, and basically everyone immediately realized that this was the author and, <laughs> and just, just didn't say anything or just like, all right, man, sure, um, and that and that was that. Um, it's it. That's the kind of thing we don't see anymore, right? Because this movie won an Oscar for its screenplay. It's, mm-hmm. It won the adapted screenplay Oscar. Almost certainly, this guy would have gotten a co-author credit if he wanted it, right? Like if he yeah. he could have shown up and collected that award and likely quite a bit of money along with it, and he just didn't. And I, that's I, weird. Yeah, and I find that interesting that he valued whatever privacy he thought he was getting. Um, it, it, to it, it, to turn down that kind of money and that kind of uh, prestige, um, but yeah, this is this was an adapted an adapted screenplay. How how do you know how closely it followed the book? I think there was things at the end that were changed. Um, I haven't read the book, so I I don't know, but I, I think the ending played out a little bit differently. Sure. Um, but outside of that, I'm not sure of how or what the details are. Um, I do. It, it plays like a book, though. It does, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's character focused. There's only a handful of like locations in this, and yeah, yeah, the, the beats are are clear. Um, I do know that it was this one did get hit by the censors because apparently um, Humphrey Bogart he dies at the end. Random bandits essentially just kill him. In the original cut, he was decapitated. Oh my god, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> they, they lopped his head off, like, like on wow. screen. Yes, and like 
that's how. Wow, because like that doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, yeah, his his death scene in this one, like it was a little strange, right? It, it like it's off camera essentially, yeah. and we don't really do death scenes of main characters like that anymore. So I was wondering if he'd somehow not been killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I mean, he didn't come back. Especially when Curtin like came back to life. Too. Right, and he looked yeah. he looked pretty dead. Yeah, <laughs> at that point, um, it reminded me of No Country. Because right, mm. that's how the Death Rowling character dies in that movie. He dies off screen and it, and it yeah. feels like, you know, here's another dead guy. Um, and I, I liked, I, I think it was effective here. Like, I think it's probably more effective than a decapitation scene. Because sure. mm-hmm. um, it kind of, like, th- like, this is how diminished this man is at this point. Like, this is how small he is. Mm-hmm. That he is killed by a random man that's off screen and they don't even know what it is they're killing him for, or like what it is that he has lost yeah. um, in in killing him, and I, I like that that that's, that this greed and this avarice brought him so low that he's not even worth killing on camera anymore. Like mm-hmm. this is this is the smallness of this man. Um, so I found that uh, I found that effective. Yeah, it reminded me of um, there's a gold panning section of Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. Oh yeah. With and, Nick Nolte. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really good, and it kind of plays out like if all three of these characters were just combined into one character yes yeah well it seemed uh, more like the oldest guy just like rolling solo yeah he, he, that character seemed pretty pretty wise yeah but yeah. the way that he like gets shot in yeah. it is like how curtain gets shot yeah mm-hmm. that's fair um yeah well and the yeah. cones have certainly seen this movie yeah. So it, yeah. it, it must be, you'd think, inspired by. That's a great sequence. Like, there, there's so little dialogue. I think it's the best part of the film. Oh, really? It might have yeah. been my favorite section, too. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what my favorite section was. No, I, I am sure. It's the one with the wagon train. That's my favorite section of that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one's um, messed up. <laughs> yeah, that one is messed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that one was my favorite one. But that, the, the Gold Digger one is good, too. Like, that, there, it's just so quiet. There's such, yeah. such little dialogue. Um, those, it's so beautiful. It's, yeah, it looks great. And like the the narrative twists in that one, that like you think he's dead and then he's not dead, and then mm. it's up to that. Like it, it's all very effective. So yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that, but you're you're absolutely right. Oh uh, yeah, I thought of it immediately because the yeah. Nick yeah. Nolte's character is so similar to yeah, um, yeah. It's his, I think it's clearly character. clearly meant to be that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was effective for me. Um, I also thought this movie was interesting in that it's set in Mexico and we see a like pretty. Di- like a large diversity of Mexican people in yeah. this film. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's just kind of like the Mexican city dwellers. There's the bandits who are like more kind of cowboy and Indian stereotypical mm-hmm. portrayals of Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we see like native people and federales. Yeah, federales. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it was interesting to see that because like for a film of this time, you would expect it to be just the bandit mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, maybe like a noble savage type trope or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and we don't even really see that. I mean, all. you, you kind of yeah. do. Like, the, yeah. the, the when they take um, the Walter Hughes character like to their village or whatever. Yeah, and he like that was a little helps weird. the kid. That, that was yeah. the, clearly the low point of the film. Like, yeah. that yeah. was the most obviously racist and like really could have been yeah. excised from the movie and it would have been fine. It didn't make any sense either. Yeah. It was yeah. like, why are, why are we pausing like this? Did not I mean, yeah. Just to separate the old man from the two younger guys really. Didn't, yeah, there's so many other ways to do that. And yeah. they, they and then like that he's uh, immediately finds some young bride or something and <laughs> yeah. like says, yeah. I'm just gonna live here forever and yeah. like that's oh, how man. his character it's includes yeah. like that. The movie was better than that, I think. And it's a shame that that made it in here. Oh uh, clearly it's not. But yeah, well okay, fine. <laughs> but, like the rest of the movie is better um, than that. But yeah, it was interesting to see non racist portrayals of Mexican <laughs> yes. people in a movie at at this time. Um because I would just expect like all the bandit character 
throughout. Yeah, yeah. yeah that kid gets to be pretty clever, right? Because he spots the the brand marks on the bandits when they steal the the mm-hmm. mules and bring them back, and he recognizes them. Yeah. So he ends up busting the bandits. Like, yeah, that, you know, the that's... main characters couldn't deal with them, but the <laughs> little kid did. Yeah, and just on something like so incidental. Yeah. Almost, right? Like he happens to have spotted it. Yeah, that was clever too because they, they show you the brands very clearly mm-hmm. earlier in the movie. And so they bring that back. It was pretty nice. Uh, yeah. In the version that you all watched, um, was the Spanish translated? No. It, 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 okay. It was never translated. Apparently so. it was. I looked this up. It wasn't translated in the original cut, theatrical run, none of it. Okay. It was always just Spanish. The, huh. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to do that then. Because yes. there's always like some character that's translating. Mm hmm. Uh, for for them, and you just like sit through the conversation <laughs> yeah. while just, the translations being happening. Yeah, apparently, because most of the character doing the translating is usually the Walter Houston character. Yeah, did not speak a lick of Spanish. None of it. <laughs> okay. Like he's like speaking okay. Spanish words, and apparently they just like gave him phonetic yeah. you know, pronunciations of everything, and he just like drilled that stuff until like he had it down, and he just read those lines, and that okay. was that's, that was that's him impressive speaking though. Spanish. It is yeah. right, like he just didn't know it. Um, it, it, Humphrey Bogart said that the only Spanish that he knew was Dos Equis. Very young character. Yes. Um, but yeah, other than well, that. when they're driving the donkeys, they just keep saying burrow. <laughs> burrow, yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's not a direction. It's just the animal. That's which, a donkey. funny. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, apparently nobody spoke any Spanish, which isn't shocking, frankly. But, yeah. um, but it's yeah. interesting, though, because the movie just like, it yep. just rolls with Spanish. They're just talking mm-hmm. Spanish. You're you're there for it. So yeah. it's like I don't that's a strange choice. And I thought it interesting. worked. It felt very natural, yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought that it worked. And it, yeah. again, it puts you in the space of because like the movie is isolating around these these three characters, yeah. right? Like yeah. the world kind of collapses away from them. Um they become very like hyper focused on each other and the the thing that they're doing and that's it. Mm-hmm. And like such that the even the language outside of these three stops being comprehensible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of makes sense in terms of like the the, the tone and the environment that this yeah. the, this film is making. That it's really about these three guys, and anything outside of this is either an invader, which is the the Cody figure, or incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah. and in many ways, insane. it emphasizes how they're fish out of water. Yes, like they're just way out of their element. Yeah, and yeah. so little experience with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and the one that it most invades and is most the uh, obtrusive in this environment is the one that dies, right? Is the, the Humphrey Bogart character. Yeah. Um, and the one that kind of understands what's going on and can speak Spanish and like has an understanding of gold panning and things like that survives yeah. and is adopted into the environment no matter how racistly <laughs> the movie depicts that. And the one who is it, like able to stick to his word, right? Yeah. Like he is going to take what he says that he needs and says that yeah. will meet his, be adequate to him, gets to go on and essentially live his dream, which is what he describes um, earlier in the film, um, and that, I mean, it's right on the nose, but it, it's effective. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the I found the quote, or the badges quote. Oh, okay, what's so the, the quote is, uh, badges, we ain't got no badges, we don't need no badges, I don't have to show you any stinking badges. That's it, they say I badges mean, like People just like compress they, yeah. it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we see the same thing in Star Wars, right? Like, the, yeah. the, the, the people get that line. Luke, I'm your father. Yeah. Yeah, and that's never occurs. Expediency. Yeah, the, the same thing in Casablanca. Um, played again, Sam. Yeah, never occurs. Another Humphrey Bogart movie. So this we can add this to the list of famous <laughs> misquoted movies. Um, another funny quote here: um, Walter Houston uh, said during his Oscar acceptance speech, 
Many, many years ago, I brought up a boy and I said to him, son, if you ever become a writer, try to write a good part for your old man sometime. (laughs) Well, by cracky, that's what he did. By cracky, that's what (laughs) he did. Oh, it was a different time. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Uh, John Houston is a pretty impressive guy, um, all things considered. We've seen him before in Chinatown. Uh, where he played the like arc villain in that yeah. movie, like he was the rich guy. Um, and he was had a after he had directed for a long while. He then started essentially a very successful acting career, yeah. um, and that's pretty remarkable. Like you, you look at the his credits. He has Maltese Falcon. He mm. has Trench of Sierra Madre. He has um, Asphalt Jungle, which is a great movie. Uh, where he managed to cast a very young Marilyn Monroe, like kind of before she'd really broken out, huh. um, and then he goes on to make Chinatown as as an actor. Like he's a, he's an impressive guy, and um, it's always fun to watch his many one of his many many movies. He's made a lot of them, um, so I thought he did a good job here. Yeah, yeah, this, this is a great movie. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's a great movie, and it's of course hard to direct on on location, mm-hmm. right? Like, and apparently there was some complications. Like they didn't. Uh, evidently didn't adequately bribe a local newspaper. What? So they, so this news, like this local Mexican newspaper in the town that they were filming in, like the day before that they were they were going to start shooting, like issued some you know terrible uh, article about all the terrible shit that they're going to do to the town if they film there because they didn't pay off the editor enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, once they figured, and so like they the town shut down shooting because they thought that you know they were, these guys were going to ruin everything. And once the film crew figured that out, they just like gave this guy some money and then they could shoot there. So um, like, oh, so, never mind. Yeah, so like there are complications that arise from wow. shooting on location, especially in the <laughs> wilderness because they're shooting on the side of a mountain here a lot of the time. But he also like it, a lot of this movie takes place just on the ground with some tents, and yeah. like he still like manages to situate his uh, camera and his framing in an interesting and clear way, mm-hmm. um, such that it's not a dull film, which I think would be easy if you're just like on a mountainside for a while, um, but also clear and uh, and visually uh, impactful. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if I noticed the cinematography being particularly like interesting in this. Yeah, but it's effective. Right, yeah. like, and I think that's what this this movie is. It's like okay. he, he he's communicating, like, like you pointed it out. Like we have that establishing shot of this is what this brand looks like, and then it comes yeah. back later on. And yeah. It's like he's just doing these very basic things, and he's like, and, and he does a good job of giving his actors a lot of space. Mm-hmm. I think, especially Humphrey Bogart, when he's kind of like going mad after having killed Curtin, like he doesn't get in his way. It's just like here's some space for you to like act, yeah. and. And he does, and like that, it, it is a shows good restraint, I think, mm-hmm. from from John Huston. Yeah. Um, I liked how like ragged the characters looked by mm-hmm. the end of their like expedition. I mean, like, they've been out there for what months? Yeah, yeah, but they're like their costumes are like falling apart. Mm-hmm. They look terrible. Oh yeah, and, and that's like another like choice, like good choice for this film. Like, yeah, to like take your kind of A list actors and just like tear them down as. Yeah, is a thing that most actors won't even do, <laughs> right? And it, 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 it helps, I think, that you know Bogart is pretty well established at this point, um, so that mm-hmm. he like kind of has some capital, <laughs> so to speak. Sure. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they like their exterior begins to reflect their interior. Yeah, like the their pants are like <laughs> mm-hmm. cut up, and um, I was just reading here that 
um, Bogart was apparently losing his hair, so he's wearing a wig throughout. Yeah, I oh, heard and, that too. and the wig looks terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it fits, right? Yeah. I mean, all his facial yeah. hair was just such a mess, right? Yeah. He had, like, the haggard beard. Yeah, You totally. could tell that his face was covered in dirt. Yeah, well, it and gross. it's especially in that era. Like, yeah. it's... Like, that's not something that all movie makers thought about, mm-hmm. right? Like, there was kind of a, okay, rough them up enough so it, like, looks plausible-ish, mm-hmm. but they're stars and, like, make them look like stars. Uh, it's, it's the 40s. And this movie doesn't do that. You're right. Like, it's, it, it looks so unrecognizable. Yes. Yeah. You're, yeah, by the end, in particular. Like, he's, they just have dirt caked all yeah. over them. And, mm-hmm. Well, and he's, like, stumbling around and, like, he dies essentially having... Mm-hmm. Drunk some dirty ass water out of a dead oh yeah thing. yeah that was so like gross visceral <laughs> yeah yeah he's yeah, just he, so desperate for that water yeah. yeah and the water just looks so bad yeah, yeah it, 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 it's another moment where you know exactly where the movie is going yeah right like you see him like parched dying of thirst having dragged these four donkeys through the wilderness for days and days yeah out of water you see the ditch full of water you see how filthy it is and it's like oh. Okay, I guess that's I guess that's where this movie is going. Um, but again, it's it's John Huston having faith in his actor again. They're like, yeah. yeah, he can he can show you exactly what's going to happen, and that exact thing can happen, and it's still interesting because because yeah. yeah. the performance is so strong. You you've talked before about physical performances, and I think Bogart has a very effective yeah. one here because he a lot of in a lot of the movie he's like kind of hunched over and kind of I describe it as an ape like mm-hmm. um, posture. Mm-hmm. And that really accentuates his like character as he like you know goes mad essentially. Yeah, literally money grubbing. Right? Yeah, like just like pawing through. Yeah, but it's also it heightens his yeah. like madness, and it's also a lot more intimidating and scary. Yeah, uh, and gross. It's interesting. Like Bogart, it, he he certainly is intimidating and scary insofar as he's like threatening violence on a pretty regular yeah. basis. But he's also pathetic. Yeah, right. And like that, he's he manages to be both intimidating and pitiful. Yeah. At the same time, um, I, I think really speaks to the nuance that he found in this guy. Yeah, because uh, it, it would be easy to like go too strong in one direction or another, um, and he he doesn't here. He really manages oh, yeah. to to be clear that we're supposed to be condemning this figure, mm-hmm. but also like it, demonstrating just how sad it is that he's reached this point. And it, I like that a lot. So the the like payoff of the film is the bandits have the gold in hand <laughs> yes and then cut the gold bags thinking it's just sand yes and there it goes yeah and yep. then steal the donkeys to like sell them back in the in the village and can't even do that yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and the whole time i was like this is black and white does this only make sense in black and white like what is gold well, they look like they yeah. do explain earlier in the movie that real it's, gold is not, not like so shimmery. obviously shiny yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. still, if they have the like panned gold, I feel like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I did was, wonder. Yeah. yeah, or if there's something, I mean, it's fine for the story. But the whole time, I was just like, wait but, a minute. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if there's something to like the feel of it. Yeah, that like a, a prospect or somebody who knows what they're doing would recognize yeah. as yeah. as gold. Um, I I don't know. Um, but yeah, that wasn't clear to me either. I remember reading recently this story of, and this is a true story, of a guy who found like a huge cache of uh, fool's gold in like Greenland. And this is okay. a guy from like England. 
So he like financed this like giant mining operation <laughs> in, the, in the UK, dug up all this pyrite, and brought it back to the UK, and then it turned out it was like all essentially worthless. Nice. And, idiot, and, yeah. It's like a larger scale version of uh, yeah. when the bumbling idiots are excited yeah. at the beginning. Right. Of the movie. Yeah. They just didn't have the wise old prospector yeah. to laugh yeah. at them. He didn't think they have anybody that know what they were doing. Like going I, don't, picking up. I don't know when. What went wrong? But it sounds like you got. What it you seems like quite the story, though. That would be like a good movie on its own, right? So like, yeah, that yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, because we, yeah, we do have that great moment where they like, oh, you can see it right here in the. They're freaking the out. They're like pouring their water on it. <laughs> yep, in the middle of the desert. Yep, With, again, irony that pays off down the road. Yeah, because yeah. he's so desperate for water. That's essentially what gets him killed. That he needs yeah. to like turn his back and like go blind for this filthy ditch water. Um, so yeah, there's there's so many great like setup payoff moments in this movie, and which it does speak to good screenwriting. Like it's it's yeah. a it's a thoughtfully constructed film. Yeah, and it's a long film for stuff like that to like pay off correctly. Right, and it does. Yeah, yeah. right. Like you 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 see it coming, and like it's a, it's yeah affecting, um, and uh, you know moves the audience. Yeah, um, and film. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the ending a lot. It felt like a very satisfying moment for Curtin and uh, the old man to kind of just have a laugh together mm-hmm. um, at the kind of absurdity of their situation, right? So they've come out the other end having learned a bunch of lessons. They don't have the gold or the money, but they still have, you know, their lives. They still have some semblance of their their conscious conscience intact, um, and they get to move on. And they both have like a purpose in life. Yeah. Whereas, like, before they were kind of, like, just kind of migrant workers. Yeah. And now they both have, like, a reason for living. Yeah. So they're they're richer in other, more fulfilling ways, I suppose. <laughs> right. Well, and it's... Because, like, this gets billed as, like, a, a Western adventure movie a lot of the time. And it's, like, if you want to be pretty prescriptive about Western, like, it's not a Western, but I think it basically is. But I think what we see a lot of times in adventure movies is, like, the characters go through some ordeal, right? And yeah. the reward is like having overcome the ordeal right like yeah. you sur- you survived the thing mm-hmm. and this is like this is less of an ordeal than it is a test mm-hmm. right it, it feels like really yeah. there's like a crucible here and yeah the journey is like this two-day journey and they know where they're going and they get there and they stay there for a while and like that's where the drama of the movie unfolds and like they encounter various figures that like intervene in their their goal here but like the the test for the character isn't their physical ability to overcome, yeah. you know, Cody showing up or these bandits that want to take all their stuff. The test is like being able to overcome the lure of of this gold. Yeah. And so like it feels like everybody basically gets what they deserve at the end of this movie, mm-hmm. which I think is what you're pointing to here. Like yeah. Humphrey Bogart, it's correct that that character died. Right? Like <laughs> yep. that is in a just world, that is what would happen to the the pathetically uh greedy people and it is it is correct that what the the curtain character describes as his great desire which is literally to get married have some kids and a farm we're going to fruit farm but for fruit farm specifically <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh wait here's exactly that thing and it it is just in this in the cinematic sense yeah. for him to get that um and i like that it, it that them being rewarded doesn't come from them having you know, shot out the bandits correctly. It yeah. comes from them resisting what Humphrey Bogart was unable to resist. Yeah, um, and that's that. That was uh, again really clear theming 
uh, yeah. that I liked in this movie. It's satisfying. It's satisfying, exactly. And it, it, it's something that's so often missing in these kind of adventure mm -hmm. movies, right? Like, it, it just have a, you can have a really basic idea. Greed is bad, right? Like, you can have a really <laughs> simple lesson. Yeah. And, like, if you really stick to it and you, you really explore those basic content, concepts, the power of cinema is to make those basic ideas feel profound and resonant. Yeah. Right? Like, that is why we tell stories, is because, like, you telling somebody greed is bad isn't interesting or powerful, but demonstrating to them why it is bad and the effects of succumbing to it is cinematic, right? And, and it does move people, and, and that is, and this movie demonstrates that concept so well, because it's so clear on every single step, yeah. like, what it's doing and why it's doing it. Yeah. Um, and that's, it, I mean, just filmmaking one-on-one. Yep. Great, great, great stuff. And then it finishes with that gold just blowing into the right, exactly. wind. Dust in the wind, right? We're returning back to where it came from, the old man says, I think. <laughs> the yeah, whole time, right. I'm just like, poetic. wait, is the dust going to blow over it? And then they'll find it? Yeah, like, here it is, right? <laughs> We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the end of a, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and then we learn nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Immediately rewarded on a material level. <laughs> yeah. They find the gold, Curtin immediately shoots the old man and takes the yeah, I see a sucker. Um, so yeah, and, I mean, and there's a different effective way to do this. Like you, you, you could have cut it the other way and had it be like this down ending where Humphrey Bogart does get away with it, or he does successfully kill Curtin, and like that's okay too. Um, doing it this way is like the I think level one version of doing that, um, but it's fine. Like it's fine yeah. to exist on level level one, and like movies can can do that. They don't all need to be subversive. It doesn't need to be about the the insidiousness of the world. Sometimes it can just be about people getting what they justly deserve. And, yeah. And, yeah, well, he like kind of does get away with it, right? Because like he's able to steal all the gold, right? But, but he's then it's just like things just catch up to him, right? Yeah. I mean, he gets away with it in yeah, in the sense that he is the last yeah. person to possess the gold, um, but he doesn't certainly doesn't get to enjoy it. But that's like yeah. part of like the good storytelling too, yeah. is that he has it. And he's mm -hmm. got. He finally has what he wants. Like, like what good does it do him? Right. Right. Like what? Where? Where is he now that he has achieved the thing that he wants? Whereas what Curtin wants, he's going to get it. Yeah. 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 Even though it is simpler and smaller. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts on Treasure Sierra Madre? I had a great time. Okay, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I, I was impressed. I, I think this is a, a good movie, and I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, I, came, I got a chance to see it. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. I, I came into it with pretty high expectations because this movie has a reputation. It's like known to be one of the good ones. It's it's mm -hmm. frequently cited on those lists, and it should be right. It is one of the good ones. Like this is a, this is a great movie, classic American filmmaking from a classic American filmmaker and yeah. actor, um, and yeah, it, it, eminently watchable. So. I'd be happy to watch it again, in fact. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back with uh, Things We've Seen. We'll see you then. And welcome back to Things We've Seen. This is our section where we discuss more recent movies that we have seen perhaps in the theater, at home, on a streaming service of some sort. Uh, this week, we also have the same movie, um, Parasite, which apparently everybody saw in, in New York <laughs> the last couple weeks. Um, Crossman, tell us about what Parasite's about. Sure. Uh, Parasite is a Bong Joon-ho movie. He's the director of Snowpiercer and Akja and a bunch of other great films. The host. Um, so one of the more notable Korean directors right now, he has a stable of Korean actors that he works with regularly. They're in this film. Uh, the central plot of the film is there's a uh, lower class family who's kind of like down and out and they work like kind of crappy menial jobs and then uh, the son in the family his uh, more well-to-do friend 
uh, comes into the picture and says, like, hey, I'm going abroad and I um, need someone to fill in for me as a tutor for this wealthy family. Um, so they they do some things to kind of, like, fake his English credentials. Like, he's knowledgeable in English and is capable of passing the university test but doesn't have the means to uh, be successful. Um, uh, so he's uh, able to uh, get this job and starts, starts tutoring the daughter of this wealthy family. Um, the mother in the film, uh, the mother in the rich family then sort of suggests that she needs an art tutor and things kind of like escalate from there. Whereas, uh, all the kind of like the help for this rich family are slowly replaced by <laughs> members of this family who are pretending to not know each other. <laughs> yeah. Not know each other and to be experts in whatever it is they're, they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, the... Okay, so let's pause. Like, yeah. This is where the spoiler is. Spoiler, yeah. So if you haven't seen Parasite and you plan to see Parasite, the yeah. big giant twist is the thing that happens next. So yeah. pause, go watch it, and then come back. Um, and it's right. worth it to not know. Yeah, the, it is worth it to not know the thing. Not know the thing. Um, but okay, Gressa, go ahead. What's the thing? Cool. So the, the thing is, uh, there there wasn't like a maid housekeeper character who was replaced by the mother in the lower class family. She just shows up one night when the rich family is out camping. Um, and the whole family is there together, just kind of partying and kind of like dreaming of of a well being of yeah. being rich. Um, the uh, uh, the housekeeper kind of like gets into into the house, uh, saying that she like left something and just needs to find it. Um, and then she disappears into a dark hallway, and it's very <laughs> scary. <laughs> um, I was it, a little worried. Yeah, and then it turns out her husband has been living in a bomb shelter. And uh, under the house, right? Yeah, and is being cared for. Um, and then they discover the basically the secret that the lower class family has like invaded the lives of, uh, right. of the uh, upper class family. Um, then everything goes to hell, and uh, <laughs> the rich family comes back during the uh, big rainstorm, yeah. Um, and then the next day is a birthday party for their younger son. Um, well, it, like a bunch of like shit transpires where like they 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 accidentally like kill the housekeeper. Yes, and then out of revenge, her husband like comes out of the basement and like stabs the uh, one of the characters, and then uh, the father of the lower class family <laughs> uh, kills the the father of the upper class family, and then goes into hiding. And then the, the that's basically the, the end of, of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, so it gets really yeah. wild at the end. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Really, it's kind of hard to explain. It gets complicated. A lot of plot points happen in rapid succession, um, but the larger point is that this movie's a blast. And like in the moment, it's crystal clear what's happening because Bon Joon Ho is an absolute master of his craft. Yeah. It's a remarkably well-crafted movie. Yeah, if nothing else, and yeah. I think that there might be legitimate, legitimate grounds upon which to critique this movie. But if nothing else, this is a Masterclass in in thriller filmmaking, mm. like the, absolutely kills it. The total control of the movie is, yep. I think maybe the best like I've like ever seen. Yeah, like, that, that's the, the movie. It, the first half of the movie is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's just kind of like, and it's like really rapid fire too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, moves. And it, it it gets funnier. Like it starts. It's like oh, it's kind of a comedy, and then it gets yeah. like very funny. It, yeah, it gets more and more uh, absurd. Yeah. yeah. Well, but never to the point of like outright implausibility, right? Like actually sure. executing the scheme is kind of silly. But like you never get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, I don't know about that. Yeah. Like it, you're always like, 
in it. You're yeah. always like with him at every single step of yeah. this thing. Yeah. And then the moment that you see the dark hallway. Yeah. And he's like, like so it's so intense. Yeah. yeah. He like disappears down that hallway and just says like, you know, follow me or come with or something like that. And yeah. it's like, oh shit. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> like no, just that. The, don't go there. <laughs> the dread yeah. that you feel because yeah. they do go down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, this is a and terrible you're just, idea. You're just like, do not do that. Like, yeah. whatever you do, don't go down in there. That doorway. Yeah. And then the, the uh, hallway's lit with that creepy, like, greenish light. Yeah. <laughs> and right. it turns out like, and, and then you have that bizarre image of her, of the housekeeper, like, stuck with between the two uh, bookshelves or liquor cabinets or whatever they are yeah. to, to get to the secret door. Yeah. And it's like, oh, here's this crazy image out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then the turn that what's, what's down there isn't actually scary. It's just strange. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's so and many beats. It and could be anything. It could be anything at yeah, all. Like yeah, like when you're right before they see the, the husband, you're just yeah. like, I have literally no <laughs> idea. There could be aliens be. down there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. Like it could have been that. And is that what been... the parasite is? Yeah. yeah, like who the hell knows? Um, and so just like the... the Especially after saying sorry to bother you. Yeah, like, no shit. <laughs> the reveal and sorry to bother you is like... I was not expecting nope, that. No, uh, you've seen Sorry to Bother I have not seen okay. it. So when you're set up with that reveal, like I was thinking about the Sorry to Bother You <laughs> reveal, and yeah. I'm just like, literally anything could happen. Right. And it's going to be very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, and, uh, this, sounded, this sounds a lot more sedate then, but it still ended up being very upsetting. Yes. Yeah, it, it did, because what, yeah. it, what it ends up revealing about th- these people and like Bong, who, Bong Joon-ho's critique and messaging here is is so insightful and like so yeah. chilling, because uh, the the best thing in terms of the messaging of this movie that he has done is make it so clear that what capital inflicts upon the lower classes is conflict between mm-hmm. individual members of the lower class, right? Because that's yeah. what that's what ends up happening here is yeah. that yeah. they are fighting each other when they should be fighting the rich family, right? Like that's where their efforts are properly located. Um, and he illustrates that so crisply and so clearly. It was so telling when the when the husband who was in the basement comes out on his murderous rampage yeah. and only attacks the other poor family yep. instead of all these like you know very like clean cut rich people who are at this stupid party. Well, because he's so thoroughly indoctrinated, yeah. right? Like, because you have this. He's obsessed with getting revenge for his wife. Right. Exactly. And, and he has this like obsession with an admiration for. The rich husband, and yeah. he's like trying to communicate these Morse code messages to him. They don't even hear it. They're, like they're yeah. just they are entirely oblivious to, yeah. and wouldn't care about even if they did hear them. Um, and it's just so clear what he's saying there. Like, he, yeah. he, I, I think he has a little bit of trouble like connecting that to a larger system, which I, why I think that Snowpiercer might be a stronger political movie than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It, the clarity of what he's saying is unimpeachable. Like, and it, it's so nice to have a really what is a pretty major movie in terms of the number of people that are talking about it and the critical attention that it's getting have this kind of clarity in its filmmaking and its messaging such that we can just talk about the message and not talk about yeah. like trying to interpret what this guy accidentally said. Yeah. <laughs> like, that it, that it's, it's such a, it, the, the film is such a gift in that respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was also heartening how full my theater was. Yes. Um, so I just saw it like in Times Square. Oh, did Times Square Theater. Yeah, and it was just completely full. That's great. Well, because I, I saw it at the IFC Same. on opening weekend, and I saw it on that that month. What was it? What holiday did we recently have? Whatever. What, what's Veterans Day? Columbus Day. Columbus Day. I saw Native it on People's Day. Yeah, I saw it on that day. 
Um, they had like 15 screenings at IFC that day. Like yeah. they were throwing on, on four screens. Every single one of them was sold out all day. Yeah, same. That's super impressive. It, it, which is extraordinary. Right? Yeah, like, especially yeah. for a foreign film, you have to read subtitles yeah, for. Like, I feel like it's still a hard sell these days for like common audiences. But yeah, it's it, still it's a big it's a big name. That th- those that opening weekend, that Columbus Day weekend. I think it was screening in three theaters in the country, mm. period. I think it was like one in LA, one here, and then maybe maybe two in LA. I don't know. I think it was three in the country. And I, my understanding is, what I heard, is that it made more money at that, uh, on that kind of release than any movie, period. Like, ever. <laughs> so, Like, you it, mean like on a per theater basis? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, wow. you know, good for them. Like, for that kind of limited release. So, it, great. Yeah, I mean, I remember... <laughs> hearing about it and I like Bong Joon-ho a lot I like sure. all those films so I was like I can't wait to see this mm-hmm. but but that's usually just me like going to a theater and yeah like, being like, buying oh, a ticket yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then to show up and have the line just be mm-hmm. like, like a rep like down down the block down the block all the way to that pie dog yeah yeah it was <laughs> shocking yeah yeah which is which is great and it, especially since he's going back to an all Korean language film right because his last couple movies had had a lot of Famous English-speaking actors, yeah. and um, were largely in English. And then for him to come back and like mm-hmm. have this do better than Action, have this probably do better than Snowpiercer, which starred Chris Evans. Yeah, <laughs> like it's good for him. You know, like that's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, and frankly, good for us yeah. for <laughs> for uh, supporting a movie like that. So I thought it was great. Yeah, I yeah. liked it a lot. I feel like you guys will disagree me with me on this, but I did feel like the movie. The, well, the pacing slowed down, and I felt like I didn't like that. When? Uh, after the family leaves for the camping trip, I felt like the movie really slowed down. Really? From no, the beginning. I, I thought that was like so intense. Yeah. Like, especially when they come back, and it's like they're all hiding under the couch. Yeah, that was yeah, great. I, I don't know. I for some like... reason, I wasn't that <laughs> compelled by them like hiding under the table and just like waiting to leave. And so, like, part of me was just kind of waiting for that sequence to end oh, but, and like for the, the movie to move on. Like, the family is sitting right there, and, like, they can be discovered at any moment. And you have that that moment when he, like, thinks he smells the the driver dad. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, he has to just sit there and, like, his both the risk of being captured and, like, probably arrested, like, if he is captured. But also just the sheer embarrassment of this guy standing there and yeah. being, like... Oh yeah, he smells bad, right? Yeah, like, like it's interesting because I think back to it, and it doesn't. When I think about how that scene progressed, it doesn't feel slow. But when I was sitting there watching it, it just felt like the movie wow. kind of ground to a halt for some reason. I was just kind of sitting there waiting for it to move on, and that's just kind of how I felt in that, huh. in that course. Of that, that, scene. that is surprising to me. And I guess a lot of that was also the discomfort from like the the husband being in the basement. Yeah. Him, like, you know, smashing his head to those bloody against like, the button. That dude dead? Yeah. And it was just, like, that kind of visceral discomfort that kind of made me, like, made that feel more strongly, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. For me, I thought where we might have tweaked this one a little bit was at the very, very end. Like, when mm-hmm. he is having that fantasy about, like, being rich and buying the house and, like, finding his dad in the basement there and all that. Like, that part, I thought, was... I wasn't exactly sure what to do with it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it, it just—I mean—it's good for setting the tone or the mood because it—it it felt very, I guess, bittersweet or like it made a situation feel that much more hopeless. Yes. Uh, and so that made me leave the theater feeling extremely depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree. And so with that. like it was very effective at doing that. Yeah. You, you see, like you know, like the how he could be living as a rich person and how unattainable that clearly is. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I think that's what he was going for yeah. in, with, with that sequence. Um, but it, that's a, a minor quibble. I, also, so. I did like also that the, like, the rich family was like illustrated well to just be entirely useless. Like, yes. The, the wife doesn't do anything. The, the husband, his job is just like some exec It, it, it seems like he says, yes, I like this piece of weird technology, or no, I don't like this piece of weird technology. Yeah, and then he's shown to be like quite despicable, that he like doesn't really like his wife. And yeah. Like doesn't, it's just kind of like bored by everything. Yeah, yeah well, or like the no. people are getting stabbed, and he just like kind of rolls them over and grabs his car keys. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he's not just despicable, but he's also like not interesting. Yeah. Like there's nothing to this guy. Yeah. He's just some schmuck, and and that's that. And like even the kids, like the the one kid that has the art tutor is like clearly just faking it. They're like not actually talented at anything or yep. very invested in anything. And same thing with the other kid. She's just, you know, boy crazy, basically. <laughs> and the um, tutor is abusive a little bit. Um, but, yeah, like the family upstairs, like there's nothing to them. Yeah. yeah. Um, our, our mutual friend, uh, Manny, pointed out to me, and I think he was right, that one of the great, like, unspoken insights in this film is that the family, that as they replace everyone that actually legitimately held these jobs, is doing the job just as well. It's the yeah. people that they replace. <laughs> like, there's no comedy beat about them, like, fumbling around to, like, do the thing right yeah, and, like, and fucking it up. Yeah. It's like, no, they just do it just as well as everybody else did. Yeah. Right? Like, it has nothing to... So, like, their being unemployed has nothing to do with ability. Yeah. It has nothing to do with talent or acumen. It's just, look, they happened to be unemployed. They got the short straw, and that's it. And I, I, I it, it's very thoughtful of Bong Joon-ho to resist that lure because like that was like, like making the joke about them fucking up the job was right there the entire time and he never made that joke yeah and like kudos to him that was that was insightful yeah and i really like the line when they're talking about the rich family being nice about how they're they're only nice because they're rich mm -hmm. and they're not nice despite being rich yes uh, i thought that was a very insightful line. yeah which is absolutely true it's easy to be easy to be nice when you like have everything you need yeah. right like that doesn't cost you anything i also like the like the um the geography of the movie is so well illustrated mm -hmm. when they like run back home and they like run all the way down. They yeah. just keep going down yeah. like further, further, um, further, further. And and then, and then their their house is flooded. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Yeah. They're at the bottom of this hill or whatever it is. That was quite bleak. Yes. Yeah. It really was. Like She's that. sitting there like holding down the toilet that's, that's spewing sewage. That was dark. Like, yeah. That was, yeah, grim. Um, so yeah, for me, and I think for all of us, easy, easy recommend. Yeah. One of the better movies of the year, certainly. Easily. Yeah, and I think if someone picked this as their favorite, that would be a totally reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> I hope decision. it's a contender for best picture, not best foreign, foreign language yeah. film. No. I don't know how that some, how that system works, but... I have some bad news. I don't think that it's going to make yeah. it to best picture. Um, but yeah, I think that... I, it, I can't imagine whatever is nominated is better than this. Yeah, so. I think it would be a, <laughs> yeah. a massive, massive upset if this isn't in the, the foreign language category. Would they be able to campaign for that sort of thing? Of course, they can campaign for anything they want. Um, speaking of which, someone asked Bong Joo-ho about that, and he said... Yeah, I... I yeah, I should. He's, it was something like he doesn't care about the Oscars. It's a pretty local festival, anyways. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> which Got is him. very funny. <laughs> like good for him. <laughs> That's that was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um. Any event, uh, Charles, it's your pick yeah. next. What are we What are we watching next week? 
Uh, I would like to see the Thin Red Line. Okay, that one's a commitment, um, but I'm glad we're going to watch some Terrence Malick. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either, so that, this, is, this will be good for me. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. We, we appreciate your time and attention. Um, if you are liking the show, uh, please uh, share it with folks. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud and Facebook and Google Play. Um, any shares, likes, comments are appreciated and really do make a difference. Um, we will be back next week with uh, Thin Red Line. See you then.